Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. A special going out of business podcast with Jake Brown, um, our recruiting analyst of eight years who's moving on to the South Bend Tribune next week. Uh, so we wanted to bring him in for a podcast, talk a little bit, recruiting what's going on now, and also eight years, as you might imagine, a lot of material uh, to cover. So later in the show, we'll have a special guest, uh, T. Shepard and Aaron Lynch, join and call in to wish... Wish Jake Brown the best, but um, I guess let's talk a little bit about the class under construction right now, as as you see it on you know your your final week here. And I guess you know you've covered eight recruiting classes, eight signing days, uh, seeing the good and the bad. How do you feel about Notre Dame's class right now? Uh, I really like it, actually. I uh, you know, when we got the outline last night, I was like, wow, we have a lot of things to talk about, yeah. and I need to <laughs> make sure uh, I look over the class a little bit. I mean, it's it's been impressive to me how they've kind of pulled it. They've pulled together so much momentum so quickly um, to get a guy like Braden Lindsay, who is like a fit for the program, yeah. but to go out to Oregon and, and lock him down so early, I think is a testament to the new staff. And I like how they kept sort of that core group, the marquee steps and Phil Jakovic's on board through the bad season, and then immediately have gone out and uh, compiled a really good class around them. It'll be interesting to see how it finishes because it's going to be such a small class. Um, how do they close it? It'll probably be mostly done by the time it's halfway through the season, which would be pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what number they actually get to. Right. I mean, they're they're up against the wall now, but you certainly get the sense, talking to people around Noreen, that they want to push to mm-hmm. 20 if, or 21. Um, I mean, that's going to be difficult to do, but... Based on the offers out and the guys they have visiting, that's where they want to go. And I mean, there are 12 commits now, number three on scout, 10 different states. And I mean, just stacking it up to pass classes, if they close the way that, you know, get to 20, this easily could approach the Jalen Smith class. I don't think it's going to surpass it, but yeah. it could it could approach it. And maybe, you know, you could have an argument for the second best class of the the Kelly era. I mean, the the most compelling part of it to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but just the fact that they've got some off-profile guys, yeah. um, you know, the Derek Allen, Kalen Gervin in particular, mm. just like, they never get Kalen Gervin. They always get Micah Jones, and, you know, a lot of times they get Phil Dracovic, too, and Marquis Stepp, but Kalen Gervin, Braden Lindsay maybe less so, uh, Derek Allen definitely not. Uh, I mean, they're getting some guys that, that usually they just don't. Right, like I look back at that, that, Lynch to it, Ishak Williams class, which to some people they're probably like, oh, yes. looking back on how it all shook out. But those were like, Stefan to it was an off profile oh, yeah. kid from a public school in the middle of nowhere in Georgia. Those are guys that they didn't usually get. And obviously, some of them worked out better than others. But that's when I was taking notes down last night, I wrote down Kalen Gervin because they don't ever get kids from Cast Tech with at all. Um, let alone with legitimate talent like like him, where he could have gone to Michigan or Michigan State if he wanted to. Um, and certainly Derek Allen, 
you know, yeah, like to not visit for months and be a kid from Georgia and then all of a sudden go, well, I'm going to go to Notre Dame. We're, I think we were all pretty shocked by that one. Yeah, it's like they're getting guys to sort of buy into, the, I think, more of the business decision aspect of it, which I feel like it's, it's been a while since you've had a kid sort of look at Notre Dame and say, like, all right, I know this is going to be hard. I know this is sort of the uncomfortable fit, mm. but man, I can come in there and play right away and, you know, get out of there with a good education and, you know, good degree. Like, they don't... I feel like they haven't maybe hit that note. It's been more like the, oh, four for 40 type thing, which is great, but I think you need kids to make the uncomfortable decision. They seem to be doing that. I don't know how much that has to do with the new staff, but there's there's, it seems like there's a good energy right now. It's got to be the new staff. Greg Bryant comes to mind. Yeah. um, As a kid who knew Notre Dame was going to be tough, but thought it was the best decision for his Mm -hmm. future, and... And they were coming off the strength of going to the national championship game when they landed him, and now they're coming off a four and eight season. So I give a lot of credit to the staff for being able to to get in with these kids right now and and get them to pick Notre Dame coming off such a you know, crappy season. Yeah, no question. <laughs> I mean, look, I think the answer to this one is obvious, but the biggest upgrade Notre Dame needs to make in this class the rest of the way has to be on the defensive yeah, line, right? No doubt. That's yeah, that's what I put down too. It's the the commitments they already have are gr- a great place to start, certainly to get the Twins on board early. Um, but you got to hit a couple more at least, and they got to be really high-end guys. Um, Thomas Booker, obviously. Um, P.J. Mustafer, Tyreek Smith is going to be a tough pull from Ohio State. But mm-hmm. you need to find two more, preferably some guys that are on the edge. And, you know, that outside linebacker category kind of falls in there, too. You, you need some guys that can rush the passer. Yeah, I'm curious. It's like with the class, I mean, you've seen Obi Agufu at camps. Mm-hmm. And maybe, in a, I can't remember if you've seen him in a game. Mm-hmm. No. But um, he's so, like, light and lean. You wonder if he's going to be ultimately just be a rover instead of, like, a... A traditional linebacker. Yeah, it'll be interesting because at the opening up outside Chicago a couple weeks ago, my last ever football yeah. camp, which is amazing <laughs> to walk out of there. Um, but he is really long and lean, and I don't know if he moves well enough in space right now to okay. be a rover, but I, you want to see how his body develops over the next year and change to see if he's more of a defensive end. I mean, I, I, he's really good moving forward, and, and that length is super valuable on the edge, so it'll be you know, can he um, improve his athleticism just a, a little bit to be a rover will be kind of the question mark. Because he was a little shaky in space. In a camp setting, obviously, is different. Yeah. Um, but I think him, you know, moving um, toward the quarterback could be something that, that Notre Dame really likes. Yeah, it could. It's, I'm just, he seems so lean. You wonder, like, how much weight he can right. put on. Definitely. Um, you know, some guys are already built up to the point that, they're like, oh, they're maxed out in high school. Mm-hmm. And some guys just, like, wonder... Yeah. Where's the weight gonna go? Because he's he's pretty thin too. Very yeah yeah not thin in like a uh, yeah kind of a way but yeah like where when he gets into a training table college weight program situation where does the weight go? How yeah. does his body develop? I think is the biggest question. With yeah. So I guess I mean you look at where this class is gonna go. Um, everyone wants to know who's next. So as you're uh, writing the market basket column on National <laughs> Signing Day in February, uh, awesome. give me give me five guys on the board you think uh, Notre Dame could land or should land. I've got uh, uh, Jamion Franklin, the defensive lineman from, from North, Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I think he announced that he's going to announce on July 1st. I would expect Notre Dame to win that battle. It's his best offer to date. Um, yeah. Houston Griffith is a guy I like for Notre Dame. I know that a lot of people are talking about Ohio State and and certainly he's got a lot of great options, but 
Um, eventually, I think the familiarity with Notre Dame and his closeness to where he's originally from in Chicago went out. And then um, I have Kevin Austin on there, spring game visitor, wide receiver from Florida. Uh, seems like a really good Notre Dame fit. Um, and then George Takas. I don't know. I think it's Takas. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, yeah. Takas? Yeah, the tight end from Florida. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame has a good history, kind of, yeah. with tight ends from Naples. So, who, in the past. who we will talk about <laughs> later in this podcast, I'm sure. Um, best of story section. Yes, definitely. Um, I think quietly Notre Dame is a, a leading contender there. Um, a really good fit for, mm-hmm. uh, of course, any tight end, but uh, for him in particular. And then I put Thomas Booker down, too. <laughs> he falls under the category of Notre Dame is bound to land an elite yeah. defensive end eventually <laughs> category, which I've been saying for eight years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Since the last time they got one out of right. the Gilman School in yeah. 2003. Exactly. So I think I think one of those is bound to fall Notre Dame's way. And if if they've ever been putting together a class where momentum, you know, and the class is building, a, you know, toward a big commitment like that, this is definitely one of those classes. Yeah, true. I, I agree with all those. I I would probably add Shane Simon, who's visiting mm-hmm. today from St. Peter's Prep. I mean, he's got some Michigan connections, but the family is really close with the Adam Alolas and, you know, wants feedback on Notre Dame. Uh, they've talked about being a package deal in the past. Um, you know, and then I think on top of that, P.J. Mustafer, you know, he's visiting for the spring game. Brother's here. Unless there's some weird bad blood there, I don't. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to close the deal on him because that's that's a position where they need someone to come in and probably play early, and he's good enough and athletic enough to do it. So that's I mean, that's a top hundred recruit whose brother is at Notre Dame and a top hundred defensive tackle. Like yeah. Notre Dame just doesn't get enough of those, so you can't you can't let guys like that get away. And if I mean, look, if they end up with Booker, Mustafa, Griffiths, Simon, and Gant, those are five top 150 players yeah. uh two of them are in the top 100 and that's i mean that's how this class sort of can be kelly's second best one yeah. um if you make that kind of run on defense and like that's you know the numbers are interesting we had there was a we had a question in section two from a, a reader just about like how many defensive linemen do you think they can take they already got two on board could they figure out a room a way to get five i think you have to yeah if, if the right guy's one in. If you end up, let's just say you get PJ Mustafer and and uh, Booker and Franklin. Booker and Franklin. I think you take. I You're mean, not turning those guys down. I don't think so. And maybe in some, maybe sometimes it depends on the order in which mm-hmm. those guys come. Like I think if you want Booker and Mustafer first, right? Then do you and then like reassess with yeah, Franklin. If you get Mustafer and Booker at, before Franklin makes a commitment in July, do you then kind of you know tell Franklin like, hey, we're full. Yeah. But if you get Franklin first and then Mustafer and Booker come back later in official visit season and say we're in, you're obviously not turning those kids down. Yeah. So it, it probably depends. I would have no problem if I were them going to five and you just figure it out later because it's it's a position you can't turn really good players away at. Yeah, it's, and I mean, it's a spot where I think they've... I don't know if they figured something out last cycle or that it just broke that way, but I mean... My feeling on recruiting defensive linemen is like figure out what your number is and then sign one more than that mm. because guys are getting hurt, guys are transferring, guys are not developing. Um, you know, guys go pro early. It's you just I hesitate to say like you can never have enough defensive linemen because it's such a crappy cliche. But yeah. like 
You can almost never have enough right. defensive right. linemen, yeah. and they, they would have a lot. If they signed five in this class after taking five last year, that that is a big scholarship investment in that position, but I think it's one Notre Dame just has to make. Yeah. I mean, they can't afford not to do it because they've, I think, taken some risky guys in the past who are now juniors and seniors haven't maybe really developed, um, you know, the roster could get cleared out a little bit, I think, by transfer or guys not being uh, invited back for a fifth year next season. So you take five last year, you take five this year, following the Dalen Hayes, Khalid Kareem, Ogundeje, and um, – oh, my boy, I'm missing it. And Okwara there. That's, I mean, 14 defensive linemen in three classes. You should be set for yeah. a while on that. So that would be uh, – Notre Dame would be a good position, yeah. man. If you're ever going to overload at a position, make it at one that you have a really hard time recruiting. Yes. It's <laughs> pretty simple stuff. Yeah, don't turn away <laughs> top 200 prospects. So you're in a good, you're good spot there. So that's it for segment one on our uh, Jake Brown exit interview, Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. Segment two, we're going to take a bunch of questions from our readers, uh, more big picture stuff, and then segment three, we'll rapid fire the best and worst of the eight years of Jake Brown with Irish <laughs> Illustrated. So... Segment two next for your questions. Welcome back. Segment two Irish Illustrated Insider Jake Brown Memorial Edition. First question Irish ND23. Who is the one recruit you wish Notre Dame would have landed during your time? Not necessarily because of his talent, but because you would have loved to be able to interview him for the next five years. I didn't come up with as many good answers for this as I thought, which was surprising. Um, a couple that came to mind, Bryce Treggs, the wide receiver Ooh, that went Bryce to Cal. Treggs, yeah. He was like, he was awesome. My one brief Bryce Treggs story is on signing day. He was in the same class as T. Shepard and Deontay Greenberry, I'm pretty sure. He was. Yeah, so on signing day, when Greenberry flips... Bryce Treg sends me a direct message on Twitter, and he goes, like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, Greenberry is going to, uh, he's going to Houston." He just goes, "Oh my God, Denbrock is going to be so pissed." <laughs> I was like, "You are correct." Yes. Uh, so Bryce was Bryce was always awesome. He like enjoyed the recruiting process, and but understood that it wasn't like the be all end all. So he was yeah. like, he was really good to talk to. And then I also threw in there Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, who obviously went to Clemson, turned out to be a really interesting and kind of crazy interview, which I experienced in my one trip to try and see him play. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, those two, I think, would have been pretty good. They Bryce definitely would have made it at Notre Dame. I don't know if Mackenzie Alexander would have exactly fit in or functioned well at Notre Dame. I think he made the right uh, choice by no. <laughs> going to Clemson, but he would have been a good interview. Yeah, I thought uh, it made me think about Chris Martin a little bit. Because he was an insane interview and would say anything (laughs) to anyone at any time. Um, Biggie Marshall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Biggie was awesome. Uh, And then I I was sure you were going to put Tim Jernigan just because he was like your best butt. Tim Jernigan wasn't a good interview. He just like kind of (laughs) grunted and mumbled words. But still, my favorite player that didn't come to Notre Dame that would have been awesome as a player, obviously. I distinctly remember... You sending me his rivals profile, and you were like, "Hey, Notre Dame really likes this kid." And I looked at his profile, I looked at what position he played and where he was from, and I go, "I bet they do." And then yeah. I never called him because I knew I knew that wasn't going to happen. I think your your uh, contact photo on my computer was you doing a chat with Tim Jernigan Best. from the uh, U.S. Army All American Bowl for about like four or five years. Oh, yeah. Now it's you shooting a gun at something. <laughs> um, all right, next up, Jay Crone zero thirty one was a recruit who picked Notre Dame, and you thought. 
that will never stick. And then it did. Um, I think from a, I took this kind of from a talent perspective because I think the recruiting process usually weeds out the guys that wouldn't make it at Notre Dame. Um, Matthias Farley for me was like when Notre Dame took a commitment from him, I was like, he will succeed at Notre Dame because he's articulate, smart, bright kid from a great family. But I was just like, I don't think this kid's ever going to play it down. And then obviously he proved us very wrong on that. That was, that was the one that kind of came to mind. Cause I don't, looking at the roster and looking at past classes, I didn't mm-hmm. see any kids that like, he's going to flame out at Notre Dame because he doesn't really fit in here other than like T Shepard. Yeah. Which we all knew. And that didn't really and that, stick. Right, that didn't even stick at all. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I thought, obviously it didn't work out and ended tragically because he was shot, but I mean, Greg Bryant was yeah. a guy that, I, when he committed, even though it was basically a month before signing day, I was like, that guy's not going to end up at Notre Dame. Like, that's, yeah. that something is going to get in the way. And it almost did. I mean, it almost went to Auburn, but... Um, that was my guy there. Terry Benedict wants to know, with social media in today's society, is covering recruiting as a reporter been as terrible as it is to follow as a fan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think, like, I've actually thought a lot about this. The The social media part of it has changed so much in my time. Um, remember when I started, if you couldn't find a phone number on a kid or whatever, you went on Facebook and tracked him down and sent him yeah. a message, and they were pretty receptive. Now it all runs through Twitter, and... For the most part, kids have control of the message. You're, by and large, in just reaction mode. So one of the downsides of it has definitely been feeling kind of hooked to my phone to make sure I'm not missing anything or you're always scrolling on Twitter even when there's nothing happening. Um, and then for the most part, the kids are dictating you know, when news breaks or how news breaks and with their edits and top 10 lists and yeah. top 8 lists and... So it's been, it's like the social media part of it is definitely a downside of the job. For yeah, sure. it's like, I, I don't remember thinking of kids as like their own brand uh, no. 10, 15 years ago, and now they're all verified on Twitter, and that's a big deal to them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, and I, I feel like there's been a, a blurring of the lines between like recruiting media being involved in the recruitment, mm-hmm. um, whether it be setting up ceremonies or doing these edits or producing their own videos. You know, Bleacher Report does a ton of stuff like that now. Like, it's, I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's like, to get access to these kids, it's almost like, well, what are you going to do for me? Yeah. Um, You know, what benefit are you going to give me that then I will turn around and give you this interview? Um, And it's like, I don't want to get into that. Um, (laughs) But 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't even a question. Yeah. Um, It's like, to me, eight, eight years ago when I started, they still kind of, quote needed you to get the message out about what was going on i remember like matthias farley and and blake looters some of those guys back in the day just texting me in the morning and they were like hey i committed today yes i was like oh okay well we'll we'll do this now yeah and then but now it's you know most of the time a lot of times now you'll know in advance because there's some kind of you know indication of what's happening and there's a press conference scheduled but even if they decide to do a random commitment They'll call the coaches and then they'll announce it on Twitter and then you're like, oh, then you're scrambling. Yeah. Um, instead of, and then you're trying to, you know, get in touch with them and it's it's all chaos and they don't want to talk on the phone and. Yeah. yeah Kids break their own news down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Day or D Kino three. What was the most surprising, funniest answer you ever received during an interview? Did a recruit's answer ever leave you speechless? Um, I didn't really have like a good one that stuck out here. I mean. 
as we referred to earlier, tight ends from Naples, Mike Hireman is a legend <laughs> as a recruiting interview. Yeah. A legend. And anyone that's covered covered his recruitment will tell you the same. I'm sure the guys that cover Notre Dame recruiting that will listen to this are going to start laughing as soon as I say that. He There were some things that he said and that he told me that I'm never going to repeat to anyone. <laughs> and that, I mean, I was like, Mike, I don't even want to know. But... Um, those were all very off the record conversations. There weren't like, there weren't a lot of like on the record. The kid knows he's being interviewed. Responses where I was like, really? Did he just say that? Mm-hmm. Um, most of it was like, you get to know a kid a little bit, and then they'll kind of tell you stuff that's going on behind the scenes, and you're like, oh wow. But you're never gonna print that. <laughs> that's just for your own entertainment. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I remember thinking back to when I was interviewing Aaron Lynch at the Army Bowl. Uh, and it was he was about to flip back to Notre Dame, but I wasn't really sure. But he was still committed to Florida State. And we were talking, I think it was the Thursday before the game. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking about Florida State. And it's like, are you visiting Notre Dame? Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. Well, like, are you committed to Florida State? Because, like, they already started classes. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, man. I think I'm gonna have to go ahead and decommit. I'm like, okay, like to you, yeah, to me. I'm like, are you sure? And then he was like, I gotta talk to my mom. <laughs> All right, next up, S R five four five two. Best of luck to you, Jake. In your honest opinion, can Notre Dame recruit enough good defensive tackles and ends year in year out to compete with Ohio State and Alabama? I. Th- so my answer to this is yes. Because, for one, they're not... Your inflection has been noted. (laughs) For one, they would only face those teams in the playoffs, so it's not like you're going to have to face them on a regular basis, uh, which is good, um, because those programs are loaded. I think Notre Dame can recruit enough high-quality guys, but then the caveat to that is you have to develop those guys, because they're not going to get the same raw talent that Ohio State or Alabama is. They're just not. And Notre Dame isn't set up that way. Uh, it's it's they don't recruit at the same level on the defensive line. That's just a given. But if you can get, uh, they should be able to recruit enough like top two fifty to three hundred defensive linemen to compete with Alabama for one game in the national championship or wherever it would be. But you have to have a staff that can develop those guys. If you have coaches that can't develop or isn't getting the best out of that position in particular, um, that they, they then no, then the answer is no. You, you're not going to ever recruit the raw talent. You have to be able to develop it. Yeah, it's like that. no is the answer from a raw talent perspective. Right, yeah, exactly. And I, I sort of mm-hmm. looked at it from if they are going to compete, they need to compete with offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And Harry Heastan and the coaching there, because they are getting a lot out of that. I think they can get a little bit more. But recruiting has been so good at that position. It's like if you can't. If you can't copy what they're doing, you got to figure out how to block them. Right. Uh, I think Notre Dame's done uh, a pretty good job with that. Yeah. All right, next up, Beer Asri. Recruit that you had the hardest time figuring out how genuine they were in their answers. Uh, Deontay Greenberry, oh, which okay. it makes sense when yes. you look back <laughs> on it. Like Every conversation on the phone I had with Deontay Greenberry was uncomfortable. Yeah, I got off the phone and I would just be like, "Man, what? I don't know what we just talked about." Or he was like mumbling his answers and seemed real sketchy. And I was like, "This doesn't really feel right to me." But this is happening, and then it didn't. Uh, yeah. So it all made sense in the end. But yeah, it was 
I had no idea what was going on with that kid. I don't think anyone did until he like signed with Houston, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy that uh, is Niles Morgan was somebody that I interviewed a handful of times, and I had a very hard time under, not understanding him, but just like, is he BSing me here? Right. Um, like yeah. he did, he did, he intentionally did not want to give anything away. Uh, and you would have thought he had no interest in Notre Dame when I talked to him at the, it was like a rivals camp outside Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame was sort of in on him, but not near the front of the list. Uh, he was, he was just tough. He was, he was a tough guy to deal with. Uh, Doc Nino, what's the craziest official visit story you ever come across in your time here? <sighs> okay. So there are some, um, but they're not like super unusual i mean i think everyone knows that when kids are on official visits they're going to parties and you know i mean i was downtown south bend one time during an official visit weekend and i like walked by cj's and i saw a line of people who clearly were not 21 because they were still in high school. <laughs> because they were <laughs> because some of them were recruits and i was like i'm just gonna go somewhere else yeah. and I just kind of kept walking and, like <laughs> running into recruits at bars pretty uncomfortable. uncomfortable yeah uncomfortable certainly happens but uncomfortable um so yeah there's not too many like i don't have any like crazy real crazy stories outside of the usual like kids getting into shenanigans on official visits which happens everywhere to some degree or another <laughs> yes no question all right well that's it for segment two segment three rapid fire questions the best and worst of jake brown's eight years on the irish illustrated recruiting beat next irish illustrated insider Segment three, the final Jake Brown segment of Irish Illustrated Insider. Rapid fire. Best high school player you've ever seen live, camps or games? Uh, The best prospect I ever saw was Jalen Smith, I think. Um, Maybe I was just so familiar with him and appreciate his talent so much. Um, (laughs) And there were some guys that were like ranked higher than him. Not many, but like Javion Clowney. I never saw Clowney in person. Um, So Jalen Smith... Best prospect, best player, actually, I think I ever saw best pure high school player was Kyler Murray. Mm. I went down and saw him play against Soso, Soso Jamabo, and Soso ran for like 500 yards in that game or something. Um, but I thought Kyler Murray, as a quarterback, super athletic, was the best pure high school player I ever saw. Yeah, it's a Jalen Smith, Odori Jackson would be high on my list too. Mm. I mean, he would definitely get mentioned as the one of the five best players I've yeah. ever seen in person. OJ Howard was pretty Ooh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Best road trip and worst road trip. Okay, best road trip. Any trip to the opening was awesome. I love Portland. Um, worst trip was that drive we took down to see Matt Elam in Kentucky. I wrote that down. Where, where you yeah. continued to see Alex Bars, and I got stuck watching Matt Elam play. That was so and I, dumb. I had to drive a Toyota that. Yaris for the night. <laughs> it was awful. Matt Elam was... Uh, not a five-star prospect, nope. despite where he was ranked on by some people. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a terrible one. I, I got to make some good trips. Seattle this year was a good trip, even though uh, from a work perspective, I got almost nothing out of it due to some malfunctions and injuries. Um, and my trips to Texas were always fun to see, like, real high-level Texas football. Yeah. was great and had some pretty awesome tacos in Dallas this year, so it was good. Yeah, I, the opening was sort of a best and worst because our we had crappy air conditioning in that house oh, and it was like 92 degrees that was, was like, um, yeah that was brutal yeah at nashville louisville combination because that was about 18 hours of driving um to see two linemen Ugh. 
And when I went to see went to see Will Mahone play, and he got hurt on the first play of the game. Yeah, see, I've had a bunch of those. Like, look, I was thinking about, I had a bunch of those this year in Seattle. Um, my video of Foster Cyril got fried; his memory card failed. And then Salvan Ahmed was hurt and didn't play. Um, my trip to Dallas this year, I got a bunch of great stuff from Avery Davis. But then, um, what was the cornerback's name? I'm spacing it. Uh, that decommitted late. Oh, um, Paulson Debo. Paulson Debo didn't play. Uh, his coach apologized to me that he wasn't going to play, but yeah, he still didn't play. Um, I went down to Fort Lauderdale one year, and I chose to go see Richard Jurgen play instead of Corey Holmes. Jurgen didn't do anything, and then didn't come to Notre Dame. And Holmes caught two touchdowns in the game I wasn't at. Um, okay, well, the Mike Hireman uh, Mackenzie Alexander combo. That, yeah, I mean that okay. has to be right. oh, mentioned. We get an, yeah, I didn't consider that a bad road trip because it was like kind of fun in a weird way. Um, <laughs> so I was in Fort Lauderdale and I had to drive across Alligator. You drive down Alligator Alley over toward Naples on the other side of the state, and they were playing in Immokalee. Which, if anyone has seen any of the the video, the stories that were done about Mackenzie Alexander in college, Immokalee is a really poor area, um, a lot of migrant workers and stuff like that, people that just don't have a lot. And so I get there. Well, first of all, I have to drive through uh, the National uh, Panther Wildlife <laughs> Refuge on the way, which I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm driving up this two-lane highway toward Immokalee, and there's like tall fencing on either side of the highway and flashing lights that say panther crossing. And I'm like, what is this? Like, so if a panther if it comes across my path and I hit a panther, like, I'm not going to get out of the car and call somebody. I'm going to keep driving. But it's an endangered species, so I think if you hit it and drive off, it's mm. probably a crime. So that was a little weird. And then I get to Immokalee, and it, it's it's just a totally different world. I mean, you're talking swamp, swampland. I mean, this is... But there was so much Division One talent on the field. So it's like, it's Mike Hireman on one team, and it's Mackenzie Alexander and all these other really talented kids on this Immokalee team. It's where Edger and James went to high school, mm-hmm. just for reference. And... <laughs> Mike Hireman played in an option offense, so all he did was block pretty much all game, so that was really boring. And Mackenzie Alexander played one series, got into an argument with his coach, and got benched for the rest of the game, and then got sent to the locker room. So after the game, I interviewed Hireman, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go get Mackenzie Alexander, because Notre Dame still, by some miracle, was kind of in the picture with him. And um, Mackenzie was already gone. He had left. He got into an argument with his coach and left, so his coach like gave me some crappy answers about his recruitment and then I drove back through the Panther Wildlife <laughs> Refuge in the dark which is even scarier. It was a the, it was a weird trip. It was it was cool to say that I had gone to Immokalee because it's kind of a it's an interesting place to go watch a football game. There were there were co- a lot of coaches there. Um but it was the weirdest trip. I wouldn't consider it bad. It was but it was weird. Yeah, it's like I got to say like all the high school games that we've been to at a minimum, for all the headaches that have come with it, mm. it is kind of cool to see like these different high school stadiums in different areas. Yeah. Like I've watched game high school games in the basically in the middle of New York City, mm. and then in a cornfield in Iowa. Like, yeah, you could really get to see different parts Definitely. of the country. My favorite trips were <clears throat> football wise were to Texas, like the the football oh, no, there, Allen, Texas. That's, yeah, you went, went to the I same, went, right? I went to see Allen and Plano West play. It was. Kyler Murray and Jalen Guyton and against Soso Jamabo and, and my camera actually malfunctioned during that game too because Soso ran for like 450 yards and six touchdowns and I only got like half of it on video, um, but it was cool. I mean, you're talking, you know, thousands of thousands of people there. It was a legit Friday Night Lights atmosphere. Yeah, best drinking companion in recruiting media. Okay, so 
this is a long list, but I'm going to try to keep it limited. Uh, obviously, anyone at Irish Illustrated. Um, and this goes back to most of my really good friends in recruiting are Rivals crew because we were there for so long, and I went to like every camp imaginable oh, back yeah. then. Um, and for some reason, I migrated toward people in Texas. So I have to shout out to the, the, or- the old Orange Buds cl- crew, Jason Sukumel, uh, Jason Howell, uh, Taylor, her last name is Estes now, I believe, yes. now that she's married, Taylor Estes. Um, and then, of course, like John Tallman, uh, Greg Ladke, uh, Rob Sellers, and Courtney Rowland. I spent a lot of time with them. Covered, they covered Texas A&M. Um, and then Edward Lewis from the UCLA site and Ryan oh. Abraham from the USC site. Um, yeah, there were a lot of good Army Bowl Experiences. <laughs> we'll just put mad it that dogs. Way. Yeah, mad dogs and in early flights home where I was still feeling the effects of the night before and yeah, it was good times. <laughs> yeah, Jason Howell I was like that heck I has Howell. to be on yeah, the list. Definitely. He's definitely. legendary. And then if you're really into like uh, wheatgrass smoothies with goji berries, Anahiki is a great drinking companion too. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Uh worst <laughs> commitment breaking news event. Multiple answers allowed. I don't even know. I didn't even know <laughs> where to start. So many. I didn't even yeah. know where to start with this one. Um, yeah, like anything related to Devonte Neal. Oh, God. <laughs> with the xylophones. Um, Gunnar Keel was a brutal one to cover because he, his family didn't talk to that many people. And um, I remember going to one of his games and we were like, he was like, yeah, I'm going to take some visits. And we were like, well, could one of them be to Notre Dame tomorrow? And he was like, yeah, maybe. And then he didn't show up. Um, Anthony Rabasa committed before Wilco concert we were all going to. That was before commitment in 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was in my mom's office in downtown South Bend typing the story out before I walked over to the Wilco concert. That was a pretty rough one. Um, Grant Blankenship committed while I was... first name I wrote down. Grant Blankenship committed while I was on vacation and you were out for like your 10th wedding anniversary. Yes. So I called... Pete and he didn't answer and I called him again he's just like what what do you want and I'm like well I'm on vacation Grant Blankenship just committed I think actually Jason Howell had to do the commitment story we were with yeah. rivals at the time um because yeah, I guess your 10th anniversary was a bigger deal than yeah Blankenship's commitment. um Matt was it Matt Dickerson the yeah the UCLA defensive lineman yeah he committed when I was uh, at my friend's parents lake house and I was like tubing and having a great day, and then I looked at my phone 45 minutes after he committed, and was like, I have to leave. Um, Everett Golson got kicked out of school. That news broke while I was at a bonfire, and the rest of my night was just trying to sort that out. Um, anything Manti Teo, Lene Kakua related was, <laughs> was pretty rough. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of them. There's been yeah. um, the Jalen Smith's commitment broke early. It was awkward, yeah. It broke before he actually announced because he had told some people in advance, and then it was developing as before he had actually announced it, and coaches were mad and yelling at me, and when it wasn't my fault. <laughs> so that was an awkward yeah. one. I, yeah, I, Blankenship would be high on my list for the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and then I added Ishak Williams because he committed in the morning after I'd put my nine-month-old daughter in her sort of pumpkin car seat and Sean Williams the dad calls me and it's like yeah Ishak committed I'm like Sloan I, I gotta write this up and then she just cried her head off for about 30 minutes and I took her into daycare um, yeah. sorry about that uh, let's see next up recruit yeah Andy recruit 
you were most sure would sort of suck, but turned out to be really good. Um, I mentioned this before, like, I was skeptical of that Matthias Farley would play a significant that role. Was the first name I wrote He, out. like, to his credit, obviously, had a great career. Um, when they took him, I was just, like, surprised. Um, he and, was like a, so- I mean, a soccer player. Yeah, he was a soccer yeah. player, yeah. And then I also, I also wrote down Tommy Reese, um, who was, Ooh. like, kind of, he was in that first transition, he was in that transition class, the first class I covered, and they had to bring him in spring ball because they needed quarterbacks, and they were like, this kid's never going to amount to anything, and he's just going to be a career backup or spot duty, and obviously he went on to have a career that people have mixed feelings about, I feel like, but... I mean, it was a good one, I yeah. think, all things considered. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think when he came in, people were like, well, Andrew Hendricks will win the job, and like maybe Luke Moss will be right. out, too. Obviously, it yeah. didn't work out that way. Not at all. Uh, recruit you really liked, but who bombed? Uh, Anthony Robasa was the one that came to mind for me. I really liked that kid. Like We had a good like working rapport. I enjoyed talking to him. I remember before he took... His official visit, he called me back when he was shopping for winter jackets because he didn't. He was from Miami. He didn't even own one. <laughs> he was like, so what should I get? And I was like, I just get something that's like heavy because yeah. it's cold up here. I always wanted him to succeed. And I remember talking at the Army Bowl to Teddy Bridgewater for a feature story about Rabasa. Oh, yeah. And Teddy was like, man, Anthony's the man. That, he's a beast. He's always chasing me around. And then it never, obviously never came to anything, really. Uh, Justin Brent? I mean, we, yeah. we saw him a ton he was at good. Camps Combines. You went down to see him play. He was a really good high school player. He seemed to have his stuff together. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> I thought Ben Council would, was going to be really good. That's I liked good. him a lot of, yeah. coming out of high school. Didn't pan out. He had some injuries. But, yeah, those would be my guys there. Next up, recruiting cliche that you hate the most. This could have been a long list. Um, there's a lot of recruiting coverage that is just cliche. I mean, it's a yearly repeated cliche. I, but everyone, it's like it boils down to like every kid is great, he's special, he's talented, and like we know that already. You know, like if he's a four star prospect, you don't need to say like he's so talented because like, duh. Yeah. Um, maybe the analysis should be a little more in depth than that. There's. Yeah, there's a certain repetitive nature about recruiting coverage that's just you're you're kind of talking about the same stuff all the time, which gets kind of redundant. Every prospect telling me academics are a priority. Yeah. That would be high. <laughs> I mean, list. yeah, that's, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, at this point, I think recruits are so savvy about it, they say kind of the same things over and over again, and, yeah. and then we repeat them, and then we just do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, next up. Best interview multiples allowed. Okay, and Mike Hyerman, yeah, obviously, um, both on and off the record, fantastic. I really wish his career would have played out differently because I don't even think we got to interview him here because he, no. you know, he never really did much, and uh, that would have been Michael Birch would have had his hands full. <laughs> uh, Kivare uh, is oh, one God, of the best. Kivari. I mean, he, he's just the best. I got to know him pretty well, even though he was from. Out west, he actually lives not too far from um, some of my relatives out in the Seattle area. Um, and I remember like his first interview at Notre Dame. I was there and, and kind of just hanging around and maybe asked him a few questions. And then I was getting ready to walk away. And he was like, come back here, sit down. Like, how's your family? What's going on? And like, I always liked Kivari a lot. Um, Malik Zaire was great. I uh, enjoyed him. He like, afterward, he would see me around and stop and talk to me. And I always 
kind of appreciated that. And more recently, like Cole Komet was great um, this past cycle. There's a, there's been a lot. I mean, I think the kids that like I talked to on the phone that were really bad interviews, most of them didn't end up coming to Notre Dame. Yeah, I think there is sort of like you have to have a, a little bit of natural outgoing perspective mm-hmm. to make it here or at least enjoy your time here. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Jay Hayes, I think, is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed covering his recruitment. He was super easy to deal with and funny and like gave you his real personality. And Jonas Gray was really good um, from the the Weiss era. He was accessible and I think high end that's one of the things like best interview often is most accessible player yeah, um, yeah. like Darren Walls would be really high for me there yeah. too because he always texts you're me willing back. to answer the phone yeah, I always wanted you to come <laughs> extra points in. which is which what <laughs> as we transition to worst interview often can also be least accessible yeah I, I kind of struggled with this one I know there were some guys I mean I thought interviewing Ishak I didn't do that a lot oh, God. Yeah, but he, it was like pulling teeth it was, it was bad that was a rough one. Um, actually, I remember it was like early on, I would do like a player video interview for a while. We tried to do that. And RJ Blanton like deliberately was bad. Oh, yeah. He was like, de- like you could tell he was sabotaging the interview because he didn't want to do it. <laughs> I always kind of resented that, to be honest with you. It's like, I'm just trying to do my job and you're just kind of making it difficult for no reason. And I like... I was never really a big fan of his after that. Yeah. Uh, best recruiter that you've covered at Notre Dame in terms of, like, coaches? I would say probably Harry Eastand. Mm. I mean, it doesn't pop to mind because he's, you know, like, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't talk to him and think, man, he's going to be a dynamite recruiter. Yeah. But he's obviously done really well focusing essentially on his position group. Uh, Tony Alford was, was really good. Um, Kerry Cooks was good. I always liked, you know, dealing with those guys. Mike Denbrock, obviously. Um, I think this current staff has some guys that are, are really good already, are going to be really good. Um, Autry Denson and, and Todd Light um, have a chance to be really good recruiters here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Denbrock, Denbrock was always someone I liked dealing with, um, you know, because he was just a regular guy, which yeah. was kind of refreshing. And then uh, he was a really good recruiter too. Yeah, Alford was – I love dealing with him. I mm. stayed in touch with him. Um, I like polling as a chance. Yeah. Too. I mean, obviously with the Manti Teo, it's a, a nice resume line, and right. I think he's done done a good job there. And I think Chip Long is going to be great too. So Definitely. I'm curious to see how the staff shakes out. And the last one, the finale. If you could change one thing about the recruiting process, including how it's covered, what would it be? I would eliminate post visit interviews. I think they're mm. almost, I think they're almost worthless. I I thought that you should. Just deregulate post interviews and well visit, and just do them on campus. Yeah, I walk mean, walk outside the Goog. Right. We're there. Boom, the interview done. I was good for the kids. Good for yes, us. I would agree with that. We, I know. Obviously, we know other schools that do yeah. that, um, where they just the kid walks out of the facility and the media is waiting there. It would make life a lot easier because I think part of the thing that overwhelms kids with the process is their phone, especially now the recruiting coverage is so oversaturated that yeah. you know these kids. They tune it out. I mean, if you don't, if they don't know you personally, if you're not their local regional recruiting coverage guy, um, a lot of times they're not answering the phone. Um, but yeah, the post visit interview to me is is pretty much worthless. Like they're gonna repeat the same stuff. I had a great time. This is what stood out. This is what didn't. And then two months later, they're Notre Dame will have fallen off the radar, and people are like, "Well, he I, he thought so highly of him." Like, <laughs> Listen, that, he was just saying what he had to say. Yeah. You know who comes to mind when I think about that? Wayne Lyons. Ooh, who Wayne came Lyons. to visit, Lyons visited Notre Dame and like said all the right things, 
But then, like, months later at the Army Bowl, we were talking to him and his mom, and he was like, yeah, yeah I didn't really like it that much. And we're like, well, that would have been nice to know, like, three months ago. You could have just told us that. But no no kid's ever going to say that after a visit. They're never going to say Yeah, the Wayne, Wayne Lyons, who insisted he had medium interest in 45 schools at the same uh, time. Yeah. There's a lot of things about recruiting coverage that could be Im- improved, but uh, it's never going to happen. Yeah, because it's <laughs> like, if you just did the interviews outside the goop, then, like, that saves these kids six or five or six individual interviews. Yeah. Their phone isn't blowing up all the time. And they can just... Head home in peace. Yeah. Well, the, wow. one of the best, I don't know if it's the best, but a funny story that I have about that is I went up to see Tommy Shutt oh. back in the day. Yeah. Um, but when Notre Dame should have taken him. No, <laughs> I'm not really invested in that at all, like other people. But I went up to his high school, and um, and Chris Watt went to the same yep. high school. So I was talking to his high school coach, and you know, Tommy was not always receptive to doing interviews. He was kind of hard to get on the phone, which is why I was up there. And I was talking to his coach, and he was like, yeah, man, once Notre Dame starts recruiting you, these kids can't fart without, like, six people calling them. And you're just like, yeah. And if you multiply that by every school that's recruiting these kids, it's, I mean, when I went to college, no one cared. Yeah. And his life was so much easier. I can't imagine at 17 having to sort through all that. It's, to me, it would be kind of a nightmare. And Yeah. Although it stinks when a kid won't answer the phone, I also understand that I wouldn't want to either. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, these kids are in a, a tough position, but... They're also like semi-public figures. Right. It's like they kind of bask in the glory of the spotlight that recruiting brings them. And we're obviously a big part of why they can go to the opening and things like that. But then there's a downside to it as well. Yeah, no question. All right. Well, that's it for our Jake Brown Exit Interview podcast, Irish Illustrated Insider. Jake, good luck to you at the South Bend Tribune. You tell people uh, where to find your work starting in a couple weeks? Yeah. So uh, southbendtribune.com. I'll be covering... uh, (laughs) WWW. Yeah. And if if you're local and want to subscribe to the newspaper, that would be great. Uh, I'll be covering kind of retail restaurants, food, beer, um, all that stuff. So it should be... uh, it should be pretty fun. I'm I'm really excited to kind of get cracking on that. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. Appreciate your work over the last eight years. It's been great working with you. Good luck at the South Bend Tribune. Irish Illustrated Insider will be back next week, Thursday, uh, following the holiday weekend with our spring game preview. Talk a little bit more recruiting post-Jake in terms of all the prospects who are coming in. So until then, thanks for listening. Jake Brown, Pete Sampson, Irish Illustrated Insider. Ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's your.